0: Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James Kay. How are you, bud? I'm very well, thank you, Ryan. How are you doing? I am good. As you can hear, listener, I am COVID-free. Um, and then James got it.
1: Yeah, literally a few days after. It was funny. Uh,
0: but <laughs> we're both we're both healthy. We are both uh, the what is it the, the the picture of health? I think that might be yep. the right way it. The uh, only thing that
1: happened to me was I got a bit of a cold and vinegar tasted weird. Vinegar? That's so bizarre. Yeah, like and garlic as well. I had something garlicky and I was like, this tastes horrible. And then I lost my taste for like one
0: meal, but then I was fine. All good. Wow. I never got this. I literally just got a really bad cold. Yeah. I had that for a day and then I felt fine. Wow. Um. So it's my episode again now the reason why james is super busy at uh university obviously as, as we know james is studying a master's degree at the moment and uh we were just having our pre-record chat and honestly man the levels of work that he has to do at the moment is insane um so we've, we've gone in with uh, my episode which has been a listener request that's been pending and it needs to kind of i think there's no better time than now to do it um so yeah, there's that. Uh, also, a uh, quick note on Nat Turner, last episode. I almost felt like we ought to write that off because I was, I was listening back and I sound like an absolute mess. <laughs> I was like, I'll power through. Um, I sound trash. But um, we we're aware there was some uh, volume issues with uh, James and I's audio. So uh, if you have listened to it and you've listened to it all the way through, thank you. And yeah, you, a- you have a gold star getting all the way through. Uh, if you didn't totally understand,
1: uh... <laughs> it was a tricky one because I accidentally fiddled with some knobs before I started recording, and then I could hear Ryan's voice through my microphone, which was just awful. So I had to turn. It was it was just a mess. <laughs> that
0: has been rectified this week. It shouldn't happen again. It was a bad week for for us. Um, so yeah. Uh, If you'd like to support the show, of course, you can always do so. You can head to our Ko-fi page. If you'd like to uh, pick up some merch, maybe some T-shirts or a mug or anything like that, you can always head to our merch store. All the links to that is on our uh, social media. You can find us on Instagram. Just click the link and it will take you to whatever it is you want to do. Uh, Once I've got that out of the way, we can start. Now, as the 17th century writer William Congreve put it, quote, Hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned. I always thought that was Shakespeare, but it turns out it wasn't. Oh, that does sound very Shakespearean. It is. It was written around the same time as Shakespeare, and it, and it was by a man called William, just not Shakespeare. Uh, no. So yeah, as I say, the William, William Congreve said, Hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned. And arguably, nobody embodies that phrase more than the subject of our episode today. We are talking about Olga of Kiev, the princess you do not want to piss off. Uh, now, to just uh, head this out, we are talking about Kiev in Ukraine, and we will pronounce it as Kiev, as uh, locals in Ukraine tend to call it. Um, I grew up calling it Kiev, which I'm sure James, you did too. Um, yeah, hundred percent. But apparently, that is the Russian pronunciation. Um and the Ukrainian people call it Kyiv, so we shall call it Kyiv from now on. And I'll so be honest just, with uh, you. Just... I'll be honest with you. It it's it did take me a while to get used to saying the way uh, saying it that particular way, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, same. Yeah, um, right on, I'm with you. Because it's like uh the the Y and then the E, it's almost like it's just one elongated E. It just sounds uh so unnatural in my mouth. I so for for the purposes of titling the video as well, because
1: I I'm I'm gonna be editing this video and uploading it, um if you google it it's still spelled K E K I E V. however more recent articles and stuff have now changed to K Y I E V. yeah and that's what i'm going to be following so if you are wondering why it's not spelled like chicken kiev it's because we've gone with the ukrainian spelling not the russian spelling
0: for obvious reasons mm. now first as always some context because we love context Now during the 8th century, an area of land we would now recognise as Belarus, Ukraine and Russia was settled by many tribes of Slavic people. Just like any other tribal people around Europe at the time, they generally kept to themselves except for when trading and fighting with each other. They weren't particularly united in any way. But at the same time, the Scandinavians were getting a bit bored of fighting over scraps of rocky terrain to farm over. And with more and more people being born into the Scandi world, they needed to find more land to settle on. Many Danes and Norsemen went Viking, pillaging and looting the British Isles, eventually going on to settle and creating the Dane law. But across the border in Sweden, they had other ideas. Instead of venturing west, many Swedes went to the east, to the land of the Finns, and further to lands we would now call Russia but many found the great rivers of the Danube, Dnieper, and Don too tempting. Some of these rivers cut right through the centre of Europe, and the Dnieper emptying out into the Black Sea and onto the old city of Constantinople, which is now Istanbul. Now, these rivers led the Swedes to vast riches, so it became a sort of Viking highway. And like journeys on a highway today, oftentimes you need to stop off at a service station to refuel and replenish and those going Viking often stopped at settlements along the Great Rivers and traded goods with the local Slavs. But just as common was a raid where they they took what they wanted and burnt everything along the way, and even sold Slavs into slavery. Which is not ideal.
1: Slavery is a common theme throughout this podcast, and we've always been firmly against it, so I'm glad we're taking that stand again.
0: Absolutely, I I do think it is important to mention slavery um, whenever it comes up in history. Um, it's
1: you know oh it's a massive part of history isn't it and uh, i think
0: majority of especially
1: europe is very guilty of enslaving
0: (laughs) most of the world yeah um now interestingly uh it's it's thought now this is not concrete but it's thought that the etymology of the term slave could have originated from the word slav um, as many Slavic people were put into slavery, so just Slavs were then known to be slaves. That's the kind of people they were. They thought them to be just lesser. So Slavs became slave, maybe, which is an interesting factoid. Mm. Now, the local Slavs began to call the raiders Varingians or Rus, old terms thought to be linked with people who row, and Rus is also where today's Russia takes its name, the people that row, which is interesting. Now, like many other regions that dealt with Vikings, it became a moment of unity. Kingdoms and tribes joined up to rid themselves of the marauding Vikings, and the Slavs successfully managed to push their overlords back across the Baltic Sea. But as you would expect, with no unifying cause to keep people on the same page, infighting between Slavs caused instability in the region. Uh, Side note. From here, most of the sources that are used uh, for this story come from the Primary Chronicle, which is a historical account of the time written by a monk called Nestor. And when I say of the time, sort of only like 100, 200 years afterwards. So it, it's, not like, it's not like Homer writing about Troy bloody a thousand years ago or something when he definitely was not there. But it's, um, it's not quite yesterday, if that makes sense. I'm with you. Uh, but it is the main source used for early medieval Russia, although there is some doubt over the validity of some things, so take some elements with a pinch of salt, and I'll I'll probably cover those bits when we get to them. But back to the story. With all the infighting, some Slavs saw the stabilising effect the Swedes had over the region when they were marauding and viking. They invited the Swedes to find a prince that would rule over the Slavic people, and a prince was found, a guy named Rurik, Now, he moved to the region and established his capital, calling it Novgorod, which is uh, today Russia. Not the actual area, but Novgorod is actually still around today in Russia, and is actually one of the oldest cities in Russia. Now, Rurik's, yeah, yeah, it's like over a thousand years old. It's insane. And it's just like a small city, not too far away from St. Petersburg. Now Rurik set about establishing laws in the region and calming tensions between Slavic tribes. Now bringing in the Swedes seemed to do the trick. Stability in the region was happening, and Rurik would die in 879 CE. His son Igor, who was to follow him as ruler, was too young for the time, so Oleg, who is described as a kinsman of Rurik, took charge as ruler. Um, it may he may have been a brother, but it's more apparently likely he was like a brother-in-law um just just so we're clear i'd like to make that i feel like we're always honest (laughs) with you know things like this like a lot of a lot of like creators and podcasters and youtubers all that kind of stuff they like get a source and then they just like repeat it verbatim and it's like dude you've not actually looked into it anything have you you've just taken this source as being reputable and then not done any else any other research on it so you know when we when we come up with stuff i'll tell you if it's likely or not anyway (laughs) Oleg was the archetypal Viking ruler He raided and expanded his lands Establishing a Rurikid dynasty Heading south Claiming the lands of today's Belarus And Ukraine Where he came upon the wooded city of Kiev Now he named himself The Prince of Kiev And made it his capital For the newly formed princedom Of the Kievan Rus Have you heard of the term? I heard of the term before I learnt this episode But I did not know anything about it
1: I have no idea what this is about now
0: yeah now it is important to point out before we continue this princedom was a tribute based world, so it's not like uh kings of old in like England where they had lords that were like bezzy mates. This was more mm. um there were several tribes that made up the princedom of the Kievan Rus, and for Oleg to stay the prince of all of them, they had to pay uh um tribute to him. And in turn, he would protect them all with his massive army. Now, one loyal tribe of the bunch were the Drevlians, who had fought alongside Oleg and his predecessor, Rurik. So they were like, yeah, we like you. You're a good, strong fighter. You protect us. We'll pay tribute. No problems here. Uh, Unfortunately, Oleg died after ruling for some time, uh, having established a... A fairly good working princedom. everything was kind of cushy um they went out raided they were quite wealthy under him and yeah everything was good now oleg's death is quite funny and worth telling however it is it there is some contention to actually how he died but how it's generally reported is quite funny now he's a he's a norse man right he's a viking dude Uh, And they Mm -hmm. believe in prophecy and witches and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, And he went to see a seer who prophesied that his death was inextricably linked with his horse. His death will become, his death will come from his horse. And he's like, right, okay. So to avoid any such death, he had the horse taken away to be cared for. Not killed, just take it away. Far away. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, At least he's not killing it. I know, which is surprising, right? Now, when he was told that the horse had died, he went to go see the horse and mockingly kicked the horse, (laughs) kicked its carcass, right? Being like, ha, I beat you. I have outwitted death itself. I am now immortal. However, when he kicked the horse, unbeknownst to him, a snake was hiding around the leg of the horse and then jumped out startled over the kick and bit him and it killed him. So, the prophecy technically was fulfilled. The horse was inextricably linked to his death.
1: That's... I don't want to say it's funny,
0: but that's really funny. It is funny, isn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it's okay to laugh at that. I
0: think it's fine.
1: I mean, yeah, he's been dead a long time. He has been dead it, a long time. We can laugh. Yeah. Now uh, that's really I, I would I would put myself in a in a horseless environment for my entire entire time. I'd live on top of a mountain or something. For
0: sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I don't understand why he didn't have the horse killed. That would just would have made more sense, but evidently he loved he would the horse. It would have
1: made I'm 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 glad he didn't, but yeah. If if they like this horse is going
0: to kill you eventually, you've got to get in there
1: quick. Yeah. Yeah. And see that horse off.
0: Uh, so obviously Rurik's son who is now of age to rule, he took over. His name was Igor, and he also had a wife named Olga. Now we're getting somewhere. So, context over, let's talk about Olga for a hot second. And I mean a second, because we really don't know much about her early life. She was born any time between 890 or 920 CE. We know she was of Varingian origin. So, she was not a Slav, but she was actually uh, from the first Rus people that came from Sweden to Novgorod uh, when Rurik became prince. So, that's all we kind of know. We know that she lived in a small village outside of Rurik's original capital of Novgorod. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, And the only notable thing we hear about Olga is when she was married. Married to Prince Igor. So yeah, that's about as much as we know about her But it's what she does in life that's more interesting Now it, She's not on like Instagram or anything She is not <laughs> no, that's a shame. Now it's widely thought that she would have been no older than 15 At the time of her marriage to Igor Himself being around the mid-20s Which in today's eyes we would look at as a bit weird I imagine then it probably wasn't as bad But it's still weird
1: I mean, yeah, right. Okay, this is. Oh, do I don't want. I don't know if I want to say this publicly. Uh-oh. I've had this. I've had this discussion so many times about like underage brides in history, and obviously by today's standards, it, it, it's not right. You, you you're a paedophile, but the laws and times of the time, technically, they weren't paedophiles because that.
0: You know what I mean. I I think um the way they might have put it was if you're old enough to bear a child you are an adult.
1: Right this yeah this is the thing they they based it purely based on whether a woman had had her period if you, I think the second that happens they are then able to bear children. Yeah because which it, it's fu- by today's standards we see that and we're horrified that's horrible but by the old standards that's just how they did it i don't know if i'm digging a hole here well no i feel like i because am Because aren't
0: there instances where like kings or princes who are definitely in their 30s have been engaged to like five-year-olds because they know when they're old enough they <laughs> will marry them
1: oh yeah for sure and that's deeply deeply fucked but it's all about keeping lineages like secure if you know what i mean how for example I, was henry the eighth and catherine of aragon no it was his brother or something there was a big age discrepancy there but it was all about royal families, like, marrying each other, keeping bloodlines pure, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, they, they, they didn't care for... And most of it was incestuous it, as well, as
0: be honest, Yeah, it's not ideal. Now, they married in the early 10th century and would only have one son between them that I could find. And his name was Sviatoslav. That's actually a very difficult name to say. It's S-V-I. And just saying that is, is quite... It's quite
1: so uh the, the name is fatislav uh there's a guy a ukrainian mp at the minute he's the youngest ukrainian mp yes uh, and one of my colleagues got an interview with him so if you want to go and read an article where he uh answered some questions from someone i work with go and have a look i've seen the footage he's a fascinating guy he was just bowling around
0: with an ak-47 i know it's fascinating and even i think he said in an interview i've like, no business running around with an air with a rifle but i need to do it yeah so it's fascinating but the, the the interview
1: they had with him is, is mad. I'm, I'm very impressed they managed to get it as well. They also, right, while we're on the topic, they also got an interview with a Russian uh, politician who was very much anti-war, and that was just
0: fascinating. That is interesting. Yeah, I hope he's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. So, yeah, we don't know much about Olga's marriage to Igor, except that she must have loved her husband quite a lot, based on what she would go on to do. Now... Igor was away on raids quite a bit, including two attempts at raiding Constantinople. But even the Poundland Eastern Roman Empire was too much for Prince Igor. With the big catch eluding him, Igor relied on plundering small towns and cities, including the tributes paid to him from the Kievan Rus tribes, all except one. Now, you remember those Drevlians who fought alongside Oleg and Rurik? They were like quite, they're quite loyal. Uh, Well, they weren't really that fussed over Rurik's son when Igor came to power. They refused to pay tribute, instead opting to pay a local warlord for protection. Naturally, Igor went down on the Drevlians hard. He took a huge army to the capital of the Drevlian tribe and demanded they pay tribute. Understanding that they were outnumbered, they submitted and paid up. But it seems that Igor was a greedy boy. Not content with the Drevlians' tribute, he was convinced by fellow princes of the Rus to levy another tribute. So he went back and asked for more. But that went down as well as you would expect for a tribe that already doesn't like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, mm, this is where it gets a bit naughty.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'm ready.
0: Igor's <laughs> um, mistake was going with such small numbers. The Drevlians had a better idea. They would fight against Igor successfully beat him, killing all his men. Unfortunately, the fate that awaited Igor was worse than dying on the field of battle, in my opinion. Oh, no. The Drevlians bent over two birch trees. Now, imagine the force it takes to bend a tree, like a catapult, like bend it over.
1: Yeah, that... Yeah, they
0: burnt they bent over two birch trees and tied each of Eagle's legs to them. And then they let the trees what? go. As oh. as they swung violently back into their upright position, Igor was torn in two. Fucking How hell. brutal. Whose idea was uh, that? I don't know. I'm gonna assume it was the Prince of the area, Prince Mal. A truly gruesome act that even Jigsaw, I imagine, would be proud of. That I
1: mean, it's inventive. It's very inventive.
0: (laughs) Who would have thought that? Like, why don't we like pull that tree down, attach his leg to it, and then just watch him rip apart in half? And no one went. That seems a bit much.
1: (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't do that.
0: Uh, Everyone else went. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. We should do that. We should totally. And everyone went. Yeah, we should totally do that. That's mental. That that happened. But to be fair. I would not argue
1: with the guy who proposed <laughs> doing that in all seriousness. Very good. Yeah, that's so true.
0: That's so true. You don't want to mess with that dude.
1: <laughs> no, I'd be like, yep, great idea. Yeah, Crack on. I'm good just job. Just gonna
0: just gonna go uh, inside. Yeah. Just gonna leave the country for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Now back in Kiev, Olga received Drevlian messengers, around twenty of them, who told her of her husband's death. I'm not sure if they told her the full extent, but they were like, "Yeah, dude, dead." Um, Their letter said, quote, We slew your husband because he plundered us like a wolf. Our princes are good and have preserved the land of the Drevlians. So, we come to you requesting you to marry our Prince Mal. Now, I think that's such a blokey way of handling things. A woman has just been notified of the death of her beloved husband and then the new guys come in like, so do you want to go on a date? It's like, no Darren, let me grieve, please. (laughs) (laughs) Just and no time to rest. time, <laughs> quick! No time. Get married again. Come on. So hold on a minute. i, I do not even processed this fucking information you've just told me. What's happened to my husband? You've got to you've got to shoot your it, shot when you, yeah as well as you can, uh, mate. That's so dodgy.
1: So did they tell her how her husband? I don't died
0: know. Well? No, it doesn't specify if they told her how. Um, I'm gonna assume she found out at some point though, because.
1: That would make that encounter even funnier, going in excruciating detail about how he died and then
0: had followed up with, so, <laughs> how are you <laughs> yeah, doing? Yeah. Now, listen, your husband's half a man, our prince is a full-bodied guy. <laughs> yeah, he's got that going for him. <laughs> now, not only did Olga dislike the idea of marrying the murderers of her husband, but she also knew that the Drevlians would almost certainly murder her infant son for fear of vengeance. But unfortunately, it wasn't Igor's son that they needed to fear. Because Olga was pissed. Now, the Princess of Kiev, as she was now referred to, of course, being the only uh, monarch in Kiev and Rus at the time, since the other one had literally been split in half, uh, she's now the regent for her son until Sviatoslav comes of age. Now, Olga displayed her cunning. She was very, very witty, and she outsmarted many a men. She played the innocent widow who needed a man to get on in life. She sent the messengers back to their boats, saying she would speak to them real soon about the engagement. She also told them to stay in their longboats, and her people would carry them across the land in their boats back to her to have the discussion as a show of respect. Uh, Just to clarify as well, these boats Mm. are not like big boats. These are long long ship boats, you know, like the, the... Typical boats yeah. you saw Vikings traveling around in. It was just easier to navigate, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, some people yeah. could carry those. So um, the Drevlians accepted, and they were like, oh, brilliant. Like, she's totally on board. Who, <laughs> I-, I thought this would have gone worse. We just ripped her husband in half, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah. That was easy. And, uh, yeah, they enjoyed the ride. They were sat in their ships as as the local Keeves uh, uh, picked them up and walked them over to... Olga, who was standing the, uh, in front of a large pit that had been dug the night before. And um, when she gave the order, <laughs> Olga had the messengers, along with their boats, thrown into the pit where they were then buried alive.
1: She was waiting for a time to strike, wasn't she?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was like, listen, uh, go off and uh, I mean- I- I- I'll consider your uh, engagement. Come back to me tomorrow. In the meantime, like, get that, get that pit dug now
1: i mean fair play to her like i respect someone that can sort of quell their anger to wait for vengeance at the appropriate time
0: oh yeah and when she unleashed it she unleashed it man like it gets worse but like at this moment it said that olga bent down to watch them as they clambered for dirt trying to escape the pit
1: nice can you imagine that
0: she's just bent over just looking at and being like you pieces of shit
1: yeah i like it i like her
0: yeah and that should be it right she got revenge for her husband. Um, that should be the end of the episode, right? That's all we know her for. It's a bit bloody, bit, you know, revenge-filled. Yeah. But no, uh-huh. this pagan woman was hell-bent on not just getting revenge, but destroying the Drevlians.
1: Yeah, fuck it, why not?
0: Yeah, why not? Olga had a letter sent to Prince Mal of the Drevlians, saying that she had received his proposal, and that the messengers would be staying with her. She was pleased with the proposal and wished to come to Drevlian lands, but she would like Prince Mao to show respect to her by sending her his, quote, distinguished men to her in Kiev, so that she might go to the prince with due honour. And indeed, right. Prince Mao sent his most elite warriors to Kiev so that they could escort Olga back to the Drevlian land. Hmm. Totally unaware that the messengers have just been buried alive.
1: Yep, yep, yep. I'm sure that'll get to him at some point.
0: Oh, well. When they reached the capital, Olga offered them a great honour. After a long journey, they should all bathe in her private bathhouse, right? That's a nice mm. thing to do. They yeah. agreed and entered the large bathhouse, enjoying the warm water. There was then a clank, to which I'm sure some of the men may have heard, but thought nothing of it. And then the room got hot. Oh. Very hot. And it wasn't the water. And the steam was getting harder to breathe. And that's because it was no longer steam, it was smoke. Olga had barred the doors and set the whole building on fire and watched as every man in the building burned alive. She's... awesome. But then
1: I but this here's the thing ryan at what point is burning people alive awesome as we've just said because we're clearly on olga's side here however there are we've done other episodes where the same exact thing has been done to people we're like that's awful no i shouldn't be doing that like vlad the impaler did exactly the same to, to poor people who probably didn't deserve it and definitely didn't deserve it and also uh was it budica she did the same to romans
0: it's very. It's interesting you bring up Boudicca actually, because I make reference to her later um, oh, okay. in 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 how we look at Olga and how we look at Boudicca and it's
1: how fa- uh, I, it's just classic history, isn't it? Like killing people and burning them alive is okay when you're rooting for the person doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting with context. It, it Context is everything, isn't it? It's like, oh, mm. well, if I just told you that she burned people alive, you go, well, that's horrible. But like, what if I told you that, that those guys ripped her husband in half with two trees? You'd be like,
1: eh. Suddenly it's okay. Suddenly it's okay. okay. But that doesn't yeah. mean
0: people can go burning people
1: just because they've inconvenienced <laughs> them slightly. No, this if is awful. Takes, what? Just, if you take something away from this episode, it doesn't mean you can go and burn people alive.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, this angry... And then there's Olga levels of angry, like she's pissed. She's seriously pissed, which is why I, which is why we think that she genuinely loved her husband a lot, because like you wouldn't go to this levels of, of revenge for someone that you just happen to marry for, you know, for the sake of it. Mm. So she sent another letter to the Drevlians saying that she was on her way, along with the messengers that she burned alive, uh, buried alive. And the elite warrior escort that she burned alive. Now, she had to do this quick because they'd figure out really quickly, like where where are all my men going? They keep going to Kiev and they're not coming back. So she's sending them letters, being like, "Oh, we're on our way," and they're all coming with me. And they're like, "Oh, okay, fair enough. We're not expecting them back yet." So she made a request to the Drevlians. She asked that they prepare great quantities of mead for a funeral feast for her late husband, as was pagan tradition to which the Drevlians accepted. So, she made her way to Igor's tomb on Drevlian lands, where she paid her respects, and a funeral feast was had. The Drevlians all drank their white in mead and celebrated the death of Igor. And when they were sufficiently drunk, Olga gave the order for her men to slaughter her husband's murderers. Which is such a smart way of doing it. Mm. I can't how's no one thought of this before let's have a peace treaty let's all get drunk and enjoy it Uh, now you're drunk let's kill them that's so smart hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you Thousand Drevlians were massacred that night, but that number is somewhat disputed. It, it it's more likely five hundred at a push, but even still, that is a lot of people, and that is brutal.
1: Oh yeah, it. it I, I, I dare say that uh, brutality was the language of the, the the area of the time.
0: So again, uh, Olga is properly into this shit, right? It there, there is a report out said that um whilst this was happening olga was just screaming at her men to kill him, like just go for it do what you want rip his head off stab him in the guts like just go she was encouraging them constantly whilst this was happening i mean this woman is scary like i would not want to piss her off if i was her husband
1: (laughs) no um but then i i like strong women is a statement <laughs> yeah. that I've just made, so I'm rooting for her. But no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be on her. You wouldn't want to be on the other side of an argument with her.
0: Oh no, no. I mean, you're right. I mean, someone has to tell the waiter that my order is wrong at a restaurant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be the one that does that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I believe every man needs a a strong woman by his side because I, men I
0: generally what, are quite useless and women tend to sort out. We are well. useless. I tell you what Olga would do. Olga would go into the kitchen and tell the chef herself that this order was wrong, smash the plate round his head, and then make it herself
1: yeah, and she'll make it better than the chefs as well
0: <laughs> yeah now after this, she went back to Kiev, where she organized an army and prepared to make her own uh, to, to make every town pay for her husband's death. She went town to town, collecting tribute. those that held out met Olga's anger. The Drevlians met her in the field, but stood absolutely no chance. Bear in mind, she has already murdered all of their elite soldiers <laughs> um, in a bath. Uh, now, the Drevlians um, with no army to stop her. She headed to the capital of Drevlian land, which is called Iskorosten, which is now Korosten in today's Ukraine. And she set up a siege of the city. This lasted a year. And at no point was she like, you know what, I've done enough. I'm not that angry anymore. She -hmm. just stayed angry the whole time. Uh, So yeah, she stayed put and eventually got a message to the city saying, quote, why do you persist in holding out? All your cities have surrendered to me and submitted to tribute so that the inhabitants now cultivate their fields and their lands in peace. But you had rather die of hunger without submitting to tribute. Now, The capital of the Drevlian lands, their reply showed how afraid of Olga they were. They had said that they wanted to surrender, but were afraid that she was still looking to avenge her husband. Now, I can only imagine that Olga laughed when she was read this. um, (laughs) Just being like, lol, (laughs) they're so scared. They just won't won't concede. (laughs) So she sent back another letter saying that the murders of both the messengers and the men in the feast... Uh, That was enough for her. You know, she's done. I'm done. Most of the lands have all paid tribute. Uh, And then she even said to them, quote, At this time, you have neither honey nor furs, so I have a small request to make. Give me three pigeons and three sparrows from each household. I do not wish to lay a heavy tribute on you as my husband did. Now, delighted that this may all be over right the drevlians did as asked three pigeons and three sparrows for every house was taken out of the city and escorted to olga and like that's that's nothing like she's gone to all these other places been like give me money give me furs give me everything you've got this place she was like no just give me give me birds that'll do you've got nothing i've, I've literally besieged your town for the last uh year you have nothing of warrant." give me birds and they've probably gone yeah okay that sounds like a fair deal yeah. uh, and and then she went home that was it she was like all right i've got what i wanted they're humiliated i've pretty much destroyed them economically uh, and she went home except she didn't she lied she's too cunning for us james we can't predict what she's going to do this woman is intelligent she's very smart uh, and she's bloody got us <laughs> She instructed her soldiers to tie a small piece of sulphur in rag to each one of the birds' feet. And that, when night fell, had them all fly back to the city where they went back to their nests in the attics of homes and buildings with their tail feathers set aflame from the sulphur. Olga watched as the dark night sky began to glow an orange hue as the city, with all its inhabitants, burnt to the ground. So many fires were created, they could not put them all out in time, and those that managed to escape the city walls were cut down by Olga or sold into slavery, and those that survived were then forced to pay the tribute her husband Igor had initially come for. The Drevlians were decimated, and for the rest of her life, never per, uh, never had the power to do anything how brutal she's like,
1: mad she's mad but like i'm really really am backing her completely
0: yeah they, they, they say uh revenge is a, is a dish best served cold but not for olga oh, yeah. olga likes it flaming hot man yeah. <laughs> olga goes to nando's and goes your hot sauce is not hot enough <laughs> revenge is a dish best served with everything on fire <laughs> yeah she loves fire, man. She's like, yeah, give it to me. She's like the queen of fire.
1: Yeah, but, I mean I the mean, poor it, birds. Oh, I'm not gonna lie. This, uh, as you're saying all this, I'm like, this would make an amazing film. Like it would. cinematography would be fantastic,
0: wouldn't it? Yeah, it would look great. Like, as I say those mm. poor birds though. Like th- three, uh, six birds for every house in that city, and they all burnt alive. But what a brutal, I mean, that's they? quite sad. But it's it's quite sad. But what a smart tactic. Like, listen, I can't get into the city. They're not coming out. Uh, I'm gonna send incendiary pigeons into the city and just watch it burn. That's incredible. It's, it's ingenious for the time. It's ingenious. It's like
1: yeah. ye old napalm.
0: Yeah, it is, isn't it? I bet even Julius Caesar would have been like, "Whoa, damn!"
1: Yeah, that's mad. Like, that it's ingenious. I really, I, I hate the fact that birds are dying, but I also commend the, the thought behind it.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah that's uh, that right so uh this was recommended to us right over the brutality of it and they were like ryan's gonna enjoy this and i I totally did right so that's the brutality of olga like she's got her revenge the drevlians like i say from then on never ever ever had the power to sort of like stand up to her or her son or anyone so she got her Mm. revenge and it's absolutely brutal um now after all that she, remember she was still the regent for her young son she did still have a a, a, a princedom or a kingdom I should, uh, maybe so say to look after um she had she still had ruling to do and it turns out she was quite good at it now this is a hot take here which is ironic for the episode but i think women are just better leaders than men now i think i've actually mentioned this before on a show um so at least i'm consistent but honestly women leaders are just better I really. Don't. Oh,
1: I I agree with you one hundred percent. Women are much better because they don't have an ego. Well, yeah. they, obviously they do have an ego, but they're not as egotistical as men. They can put their ego to the side, whereas men will tend to do things to look good, and their pride will come be be a factor. For sure. But in terms of like looking after people as well, women are, are generally much better. They'll always put the needs of others before their own, and it, I find that strange that men generally are, are the leaders in the world. It probably should be the other way around, but
0: like i would like down with patriarchy i would like to point out uh just because it's obviously topical at the moment angela merkel was german chancellor for what over a decade or something and a long time yeah putin was like he like almost like listened on every word she said and then as soon as she was no longer in power and a man was he was like hey ukraine how you doing
1: hmm I mean, one of the things that remember at the time Putin was meeting Merkel, and uh, in her youth, a dog attacked her, so she's got a natural fear of dogs. Yeah. And he decided to bring two massive dogs with him.
0: Yeah, baller. That's. that's I mean, it's a
1: dickhead move, it's, but it's also a baller move.
0: Yeah, yeah, it says uh, dodgy in it. Now, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Olga changed the way that tributes were offered. So after all this, after all this, like fucking anger and everything. She was like, listen, this tribute system is what caused my husband to die and for uh, me to go off and do this thing. So it wasn't my fault that I went and done this, your fault, you brought that on yourself. That's <laughs> um, so she changed the way that tributes were structured uh, and had to be offered. She built infrastructure within the Kievan Rus lands, she installed local councils to help manage things. Um, so, yeah, she's, like, really good. There was also an attack on Kiev in 968 CE that she helped to plan a defence for and beat back the attackers. So, everything she did was to build and preserve the kingdom for her son, Sviatoslav, who, although off-raiding quite a lot of the time, took the throne from his mother in 945 CE. Now, sometime in the 950s CE... Olga travelled to Constantinople. Now, the Kievan Rus and the Byzantine Empire had a complex relationship. Many of the Kievan Rus had uh, raided Constantinople over the years. In fact, many of the OG Swedes who went Viking in Constantinople ended up becoming employed by the Byzantines, uh, and they became the famous Varyngian guard you may have heard of. Um, They they literally just hired Viking soldiers because they were like, you guys are brutal, you guys are insanely Mm. good. And that's why, as well, apparently you'll see quite a lot of runes are uh, mm. chiseled into the Hagia Sophia, you know, that famous um, uh, mosque in Istanbul. Yep, 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 I know. Yeah, there's some, like, runes written in there being like, you know, Eric was here. <laughs> it's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, now, it seems that Olga went on a diplomatic mission, meeting with Emperor Constantine Seventh. Who, upon meeting her, was like, oh damn, she's fine. And after speaking with her, was like, yeah, this girl is worthy of ruling by my side. Despite the fact that he already had a wife, which I imagine she wasn't very happy about. Now, Olga was used to this kind of attention. She'd had many suitors over the years. Um, and I imagine they are all like, look how loyal this woman is. Like, this is someone you want to marry. Um But she dodged them all. She was like, no, not interested. Not interested at all in marrying someone else. Mm -hmm. And here, she had an emperor flirting with her, which I imagine was even harder to sort of say no to. Like, be an empress. No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Now, um, initially, she was just like, "Uh, cheers, mate. I appreciate the kind words and all, but, you know, I'm a pagan woman. um, And I could never marry you because you're a Christian religion wouldn't allow it so there's that one kneel to olga right but Mm. remember she's on a diplomatic mission she doesn't want to be uh hit on by the emperor but she kind of does want to get something out of this at the end of the day so she doesn't want to upset him so using her wit which we know is sharp because she's she tricked all the Drevlians. now they're either thick as shit or she's very smart um she promises to be baptized into the christian faith which absolutely stunned and excited the emperor. He was like, what? Okay. But there's a catch. She told the emperor that she would only have herself baptised into the Christian faith if the emperor should be the one to do it. So the emperor agreed to the terms and accompanied by a priest had Olga baptised with the emperor becoming her godfather. Now supposedly her new Christian name was Helena but we will continue to call her Olga because there are um some conflicting uh sources that say Helena was actually his wife and he talks about his wife and not Olga and somehow they, there's a there's a theory that they've got them mixed up so we'll continue to call her mm. Olga. Now <laughs> so what's to stop the emperor now having his way with this new Christian woman, right? She's no pagan now. Mm-hmm. Well, the emperor had the finest people teach her about her new religion, and it's said that she took to it like a sponge absorbing water. And over time, the emperor supposedly proposed to Olga, now a Christian woman, to which Olga replied, How can you marry me after yourself baptising me and calling me your daughter? For among Christians, this is unlawful, as you yourself must know. Basically, she's saying, you're now my godfather in the eyes of the Lord. uh, And that means I'm your goddaughter. And for a a father to marry a daughter, that would be incest. So how could we marry? She's got him there, unless he doesn't care for incest. No, the emperor replied to her saying, quote, Olga, you have outwitted me. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. He clearly, like, he he stewed on that one for a while, didn't he?
1: oh i think he was like how well the how's this going to reflect on me yeah
0: i love it and i like that as well uh he took it in 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 good stride as well because olga left uh the byzantine capital with uh still being called his daughter he, he referred to her as his daughter from then on because goddaughter yeah uh she also left with gold silver silks vases and many many gifts so She was so smart, she outwitted him, and he was like, fair play, listen, whatever, this is it then, we're we're good, we're good, she's good. (laughs) She's the one that got away, that's so clever. (laughs) Spiritual (laughs) incest is the way, man, like, that's how you get out of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Now, back in Kiev, Olga attempted to convert many of her fellow Russians, uh, Kievan Rus, people, sorry, not Russians, not yet, Um, but it was a hard slog. She attempted to have her son baptized, but Sviatoslav becoming to, to Sviatoslav becoming Christian was seen as a weakness and he thought that he would be mocked by his people. Uh, so for the most part, a lot of his military men were all pagans, such as himself and such as his mother was growing up, and obviously that naturally they looked at Christians as being sort of lesser and weaker. One god, would you one god? I've got loads of gods like come on. And he thought that if he converted to Christianity they would no longer support him properly. Um, But despite this, Olga built many churches across what is now known as Ukraine. She did spread the word to her grandsons, one of which, uh, Vladimir, or uh, Volodymyr in Ukrainian, would go on to convert the Kievan Rus people. Now, Olga would die in 969 CE from an unspecified illness, likely aged in her 70s, which is good innings for the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, great innings. Now, despite the fact that her son, Sviatoslav, didn't approve of her mother's religion, he allowed for her to receive the last rites from a priest, and she was buried on consecrated ground. Oh, and uh, she did ask that a uh, uh, funeral feast, as was tradition in the pagan belief, um, was not uh, uh, done. She asked that that not happen. She was like, I don't need that. Just Mm. bury me in consecrated ground. Be done with it. And and he was like, okay fine and the son listened to his mum which is i like that at the end of the day I, I quite i do like those kings that still listen to their mums i mean everyone listens to their mums, don't they? it doesn't matter how powerful you are you always answer to oh your i mean i'm i'm currently watching narcos on netflix and just like watching yeah. pablo escobar do everything to protect his wife and his mum and listen I, and that yeah. dude is bad and i'm not i'm not condoning anything but like when his mum calls him like she calls him pablo or pablito and i'm like ah oh, like that you, you always listen to your mum always
1: yeah, it, it doesn't matter who you are, you, you listen to your yeah. mom. Now, um, I'm sure yeah. if Putin's mom was still alive, she'd be like, bro, <laughs> enough. And it'd be like, okay. Supposed- mom, supposedly, sorry.
0: his ratings have gone up.
1: Yeah. What, in Russia? That's just because it's all propaganda, Possibly. isn't it? I was interviewing um, someone in Ukraine who has family in Russia, and her family from Russia have been messaging her, being like, why are you lying about the war? Like, Ukrainians are bombing themselves to make it look oh, bad. That's crazy. It's crazy. crazy. They're honestly fucking brainwashed. Yeah. The whole thing is mental, and this is why Russian soldiers as well are getting to Ukraine and being like, "Whoa, this is
0: not what we signed mm-hmm. up for." Mm-hmm. And we could get into this at the end. Um, there is an opportunity to do so. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, despite her grandson uh, Vladimir, uh, obviously I referred to him as Vladimir earlier, um, but Ukrainians, uh, as far as I'm aware, call him Vladimir, um, just like their president right he he's he's yeah, known vladimir as the um the father of ukraine like vladimir created the Kievan like like not ukraine but like that area like russians take him as well and they're like this this is like the father of the region um and i find it interesting that like ukraine's charismatic leader is also called the same uh, now uh, as i say despite her grandson vladimir being the one to convert the Kievan ruse it was olga's teachings that kick-started the whole thing and because of this She was canonised into the Eastern Orthodox religion, the Roman Catholic religion and others as St. Olga of Kiev in 1546, nearly 600 years after her death. Now, she is the patron saint of widows and converts, which is uh, apt, I believe. Um, And she was also Mm -hmm. bestowed the title equal to the apostles, which gives her the honour of being on a level with Jesus's initial followers which is pretty impressive. That's mad, yeah, fair play. Now, being the princess of the Kievan Rus and living in the capital of Kiev nearly all her life, she quite fittingly is still there today. Her statue stands outside the famous St. Michael Cathedral in the centre of Kiev. Uh, And as far as I saw, I think yesterday on the news, um, they were putting sandbags over her statue. So she's still there, still defending the city, which I quite like. Oh, good. Although and I bet the Russians will want to do something about that. Well, this is what we're going to get onto in a second. If anyone is aware of the Ukrainian symbol seen everywhere, it's used on the national football team symbol. You know, that one that's like a, it looks like a fork or a trident? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, um, it's actually a very, very old symbol going back to the time of Rurik, who was obviously that initial guy that came over from Sweden. Uh, uh, his son Igor and Olga's descendants—they all use that symbol or a variation of that symbol. So it's almost like she's always around. Yeah, which I quite like. almost like the spirit. Oh, well,
1: to be fair, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I've always wondered where the symbol originated from and yeah. learned now, something today.
0: There is uh, th- there is a theory that it actually looks like a bird diving down um, to like catch prey oh. or something. Yeah. which it does quite look like. Um, but also I was looking at their symbols, like uh, Rurik and Olga used these symbols as well for her personal signage. Um, they use variations of it. So I believe it actually comes from that. Um, but yeah, mm. I, I, I find it fascinating. That it comes back from such a long, long time ago. And that, like even though she's still standing in Kiev, almost protecting it, she's still there, always there. I like that yeah i like that a lot too now i found this episode interesting for the most part like that's the episode done like we've talked about olga olga's done um and she's fascinating like genuinely fascinating and i found this episode really really interesting um because as you mentioned earlier it reminded me of our episode on Boudicca, where we asked the question if Boudicca was a terrorist or not now it doesn't quite equate here but her methods were brutal there aren't many mass murdering saints out there especially ones that jesus would like to hang out with um Mm. so yeah it although we rooted for her uh, as a good person Boudicca in our episode was actually i believe a good person as well um their methods are terrible like that's awful oh yeah. yeah 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 but
1: it's not on really
0: yeah, I mean, Boudicca, she killed innocent people, like people, arguably innocent people, like a lot of these were retiree soldiers and whatnot, but they're not soldiers anymore, they're just trying to get on with life, but they are living in occupied lands, so... Ugh. But there was a possibility with Olga that the Drevlians could come over and kill her and her son, so I suppose a preemptive strike is maybe warranted, I'm not sure, maybe there should have been some... Who's to know? Why am I trying to get in the politics of over a thousand years ago? I'm not sure, That's probably not warranted.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> yeah but uh, but also um i was fascinated to look into this uh, era of history and uh, more more specifically this region of the world um like we all learned about western europe's history growing up like romans and all that kind of stuff but um i knew nothing next to nothing about eastern europe's history no no nothing. we're not we're not taught about it really are we no idea how like you know ukraine russia all those areas sort of come to be i've I no i had no idea so i've learned so much like how diverse and rich the people and the cultures are throughout history like some of like the slavic culture is insane it's, it's so diverse there's so much going on there and I, I just found that really fascinating so i've actually really enjoyed um uh, learning about that and actually really starting to understand the context for a lot of these nations that came to be nearly a thousand years on um, this is the thing with Eastern Europe as well. Like obviously, there's a lot of conflict in Eastern Europe. There has
1: been for uh, m- many, 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 many years. Mm. And, and it's all, it's all contextualised. There's a lot of history that goes into it. And I think maybe in the West, we need to do better at learning about this history. And equally, I think in Russia, they need to do more, learn about Western history as well. Because if you contextualise things, everything makes a bit more sense. And conflicts generally can be avoided. Yes. Because People, people like we look at the Ukrainian war, a lot of the Western media is like, of oh, uh, Putin's gone a bit crazy and he's invaded Ukraine, which generally is the be all and end all of it. But there's also a hell of a lot of context about why he thinks that Ukraine is Russian.
0: Yeah. Um, now, that's a really fascinating point that um, I'd like to expand on, which is it's funny that you mentioned that because it's literally my next thing to bring up here. Um, and this is sort of the rub of the story. Uh, Olga and her ancestors are from a region that is called the Kievan Rus. And it's very evidently Kiev and Russia. And they both have their origins in their names from this area and these these peoples, right? And both nations use Olga and her grandson Vladimir in Russia and Vladimir in Ukraine as saints. So both Russia and Ukraine... I've called her, like, you know, well, basically like almost like a, a Ukrainian hero... Over in Russia, there are statues of her there, and they worship her there. Mm. She's part of their religion too. Um, so, and this is the thing, that these two nations do have a lot of mutual history. They do somewhat herald from a familiar people, uh, but mm. this is where Putin can use history to try and claim justification over his war crimes because he says that Ukraine and Russia are one in the same and that they should be a part of Russia due to their shared history. Um, so in some way you can you can justify his thinking, but it is also ridiculous. And I'm vastly oh, it's a compl- it's dumb as fuck. Uh, totally. Now I'm vastly oversimplifying here, but it's kind of like Britain invading Ireland because we have such a close shared history and were once a United Kingdom and speak the same language. In my opinion, that's it's it's on the same level. Mm. Uh, just to be like, well, we, we, we both have ancient Britons and we all kind of, you know, from that history. And it's like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But it's not how it is now. See, like England's patron saint, St. George, right? The dude was he Greek. was Turkish. Greek or Turkish for all we know. Now, it doesn't mean that Greece or Turkey should be a part of Great Britain just because we have a shared history like that. It's the same way, like you know, it doesn't work. And, and, and you know, lastly, I, I did a DNA test um, thing where I found out where my ancestry comes from. And it turns out I have quite a bit of it coming from Norway. Does that make me Norwegian? No. Would I like to be? Sure. But things change and we're not the same people we were a thousand years ago. So it, it just doesn't... The justification is not there. It doesn't exist. It doesn't...
1: It doesn't. No, it's, uh, the countries are very closely tied because obviously I've been speaking to a fair few people in and around Ukraine, especially over the past week. Um, and I've noticed that a lot a lot of these people, a lot of Ukrainians, have relatives in Russia, as I mentioned earlier, that generally like, are, are against their own family now. Um, the, the, there's a woman on my course who is uh, Ukrainian, and she's going there uh, very soon. And I didn't realise that she's got a brother in Russia... And they haven't spoke for years because he just doesn't regard Ukraine as a separate country. He thinks it's Russia, which is mental. Because now her family, her mom and dad, are now in bomb shelters being bombed by the Russians, which her brother is supporting. Uh, it, it none of it makes sense. That's hard. And we, we've spoke about this before in terms of like the War of the Roses, English Civil War. It's people fighting against each other, like brothers fighting against brothers. But that belongs in the medieval time. Mm. It's 2022. Yeah.
0: You you have got to use your fucking noggin. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's 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 it is a shame. It is a shame what is happening. And now, it, Ukraine's history is genuinely fascinating, and I would genuinely uh, recommend anyone look it up if you are interested in what is going on and to sort of get an idea for what uh Ukrainians are fighting for in terms of their independence. Uh, looking at their history and the amount of it they have. Uh, it is is worth looking into to try and really get an understanding of what it is they are uh, trying to fight for now that was our episode on the life of Olga of Kiev the saint you really don't want to piss off uh, now mm-hmm. this episode was a listener request from Stacy from Michigan so thank you Stacy for the recommendation uh, this is a direct quote from when Stacy recommended the episode to us uh, quote just when you think she's gotten her revenge oh wait, there's more i think ryan would get a <laughs> kick out of her story and i certainly did <laughs> i certainly well, did yeah thank you they know you will yeah thank you very much stacy uh, from michigan um now if you guys have any suggestions for episodes do hit us up because um, we've been doing quite a few more of these now um which has been really cool uh instagram is the best place uh turns out to get hold of us when you start a podcast i think every person that's ever started a podcast does this you make a million bloody social media accounts thinking that you're going to be useful across all of them and over time you figure out what ones are the best ones to use uh now whilst you can get hold of us on facebook and twitter and many people do get hold of us on facebook uh instagram genuinely does seem to be the best place to get hold of us Um, most people message us on that
1: um yeah i think uh, twitter notifications sort of get lost in the the stratosphere somewhere because yeah. there's so many accounts
0: instagram tends to come through a lot clearer oh it, facebook as well is a really good way of doing things yes both of those work absolutely fine um so yeah keep them coming do message us and um yeah if if we don't get to your episode in time um it's because you know these episodes take time to make um so yeah bear with us uh, send us a message uh, recommend something to us we will always message you back and we'll always be like yeah totally we'll get on that um i'm working on mormons slowly <laughs> It's getting there.
1: Yeah, I kind of passed
0: that baton to Ryan, which I'm kind of glad We're, about. we're getting there. We're getting there. It's it's. Um, I'm doing research at the moment. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed that episode. I know it it, it was. Uh, what's the word? It's topical, and uh, I just. Oh yeah. I think yeah. it was a good time to bring it up. So yeah, thank you, Stacey, for recommendations. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, we'll see you on the next one, shall we, James? We shall. Um.
1: So next week. It's uh, basically, um I, m- one of my housemates, Luca, she is German. She's a very good friend of mine. And she pointed out to me that every time I tend to do an episode on someone German, it tends to be a Nazi. Brilliant. So I, I want to uh, stay away. So it's going to be a German episode next week. um She's given me some ideas. I don't know who I'm going to do yet, but it Ooh. will be German and it will be a nice German. Wunderbar. Apparently they exist.
0: <laughs> That's uh <laughs>
1: We it's do get fine. a fair few German listeners. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: um Guten Tag if you are listening from Germany. I'm learning German as well at the minute. Excellent. So I have Excellent. a lot of time
1: for the German people.
0: Ah, oh, wunderbar. Right, okay, let's uh let's let's set off, shall we? Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it rate us. oh uh spotify make sure you do that on spotify it's totally fucking easy head on to oh, the yeah that's a thing isn't it yeah totally head over to just like that's what people do's page where you find the episode at the top on the left you literally just pop in five stars and we've got quite a few people who have done it so far and i'm eternally grateful for it so yeah make sure you do that please whilst you're listening to this episode all right thank you very much everyone see you next week goodbye